This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, getting things fired up on YouTube here for our Thursday Chiefs game preview. We're going to give folks some time to to get in. We're going to tweet it out, so bear with us out there. Uh, so let's fire out this link here, Verderam. How you doing, man? Good. I'm good. I woke up about 15 minutes ago. It's my day off, so I really uh, slept in and enjoyed it. Oh, man. It's 10 o'clock. That's a good... What time did you go to bed? Uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's right. You're a night owl, right? You stay up all night watching... What do you do when all the sports ends? There's nobody playing it, too. Right. I usually write or I do some research <laughs> or, I, or I just relax if I'm lucky enough. Uh, and I, I listen to some music or I'll, I'll sit down and uh, maybe... Maybe uh, watch a little Everybody Loves Raymond or watch, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe some old school, you know, a documentary or something. But I, I usually yeah. I like I need that three, four hours a night at the end, three, four hours at the end of the night to just relax, unwind, take some time for myself. And that's always what I do. I don't know how you do it, man. I, once I got to be about, I don't know, somewhere 34, 35, and it gets to be about 11 o'clock and I'm. I'm out of juice. I mean, I get up pretty early. I get up at, you know, 536 sometimes to work out, but like I'm done. I just can't, I can't sit and watch a movie or something. I'm, I'm passing out. I don't know. It's just, maybe it's a sign of old age, Verderam. No, I don't know. I mean, listen, when I was in college, I used to have like four o'clock every day. That I can't do anymore. But uh, one, one to one thirty. Oh yeah. That's a, uh, it's a sweet spot. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> probably should go to hell. Probably should go to bed a hell of a lot earlier, but here I am. Um, yeah. Hey, it's working for you. It's working. You look fresh as a daisy. Um, <laughs> okay. Doing good. You know, try to get a workout in every day. And if I can do that, I think it gives me energy. And so listen, but all this is going to change once we have our second kid here, well, third, third kid, second living one in April. Um, that, that'll, that'll change. I think the dynamic a little bit at that point. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get away with this anymore, but um, I'm enjoying yeah. it for the time being. Well, once you have that second kid, you're going to be up late still, right? At least for a little while. So, you know, maybe that's uh, will just keep you right and have it. Um, what's up, everybody in the chat? We're just giving folks some time to to get in out there. What's up, Will? What's up, Johnson? RN? Appreciate you guys. There's a guy, Cheeto Freak. Can always count on him to show up for the live streams. So, you know, let's let's kind of start talking Chiefs a little bit as folks get in here. Uh, we're up to 23 watching. Remember, hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, that'll get a lively chat going for you guys. What's up, Gonzo? Um, so I think we should start. We got to hit on this trade stuff, right? Uh, NFL trade deadline yes. yesterday. Um, my, you know, in past years, NFL trade line was kind of, what's up, Lucas? What's up, Evan? It was kind of a uh, an afterthought, 
nothing ever really happened usually. Maybe there'd be one or two minor moves. But as we've been getting into the, all the as, as Verderam likes to call them, the nerds, the analytics crowd, um, yep. you know, people are starting to to be a little bit more aggressive. They're not being so uh, uh, so precious with their draft picks, especially the later round picks. And so they're using them to to make what they think are strategic moves that can help put their team over the top. And the Chiefs did that yesterday. They made two moves. Uh, one was sort of a, a very simple move. They just traded uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Uh, to the oh god, where did he go? The Jets. The Jets. The Jets. They got Dan Brown back, famous yep. author Dan Brown, uh, tight end, special teams player. Not going to be somebody you're going to see running around out there catching a lot of balls or anything like that. But he's an right. NFL veteran, plays most of his time on special teams. Somebody that's reliable. And of course, the Chiefs. They were carrying four tight ends. They lost Jody Fortson for the season to an injury. So and 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 Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Not getting on the field with the way everybody else is playing on the offensive line. They've got some good depth there at guard. A little over the hill. And uh, I think they were also doing him a favor. He wants to play, and the Ch- and it saved them some sour cap money. So good, pretty smart move for the Chiefs. Uh, took a position of depth. Took a position of weakness. Shored it up. Um, but the other move, of course, was trading for Melvin Ingram for this, from the Steelers for a sixth round pick. Now the Chiefs had Ingram in an off season, didn't work out. He decided to go to Pittsburgh. Hasn't played a ton, but has been reasonably effective when he has. What were your reactions to these two moves, Verderam? So the first one's easy. With, with LDT, he was never going to play. So they trade him for Dan Brown, who might give him some special teams, core four snaps. Um, and I talked to a, a source over there who says, essentially the Chiefs picked up a million dollars in cash and a million dollars in cap space for the trade. So th- that was the reasoning behind it. And that money, by the way, sure, they could use it down the road here. Like, like if a guy like a Deshaun Jackson hits waivers, they can use it for that. Or if they don't use it for that, they can always roll that money over into next year. So th- th- they have they have different options, right? They can do a few different things. Um, but that trade, yeah, why not? Like, why wouldn't you do that? There's no reason not to be the Chiefs. The Ingram one, of course, is the bigger impact, one of the more important ones. Giving up a six-round pick, I don't want to be the guy who just says, oh, it's a six-round pick, who cares? Trey Smith was a six-round pick, and that that seems to have been pretty important, right? So I do think that a six-round pick matters. However, um, I also think that if you're trying to contend this year, then you needed to fix this pass rush because – and I want to get into this more, a lot more in a little bit. I actually think the defense is starting to figure a lot of things out. I went back and rewatched the game on Monday. Um, but their pass rush, which was actually better as well on Monday, but still not great, like it needs help. Melvin Ingram is not going to go in there and have 10 sacks for them, but he is a good player who can reasonably hold down his spot against the run and can still get a pass rush. And they don't need him to be 12 sack a year Melvin Ingram. They just need him to be effective. And so I think it's a good deal for the Chiefs. And I understand the people who say, well, they had him in for a visit. Why didn't they just sign him? I can tell you with with certainty it was about a contract at that point. They really liked him. He liked Kansas City. They had a mutually beneficial meeting back, I believe it was in April, April, really late March. And for for the Chiefs, the money just didn't work at the time. Well, listen, it, it now works. You're paying basically nothing for him. Yay, give up a sixth. They can also recoup that sixth by just trading back in the fourth or fifth round a couple spots. Like it's not, it's not like they can't get that pick back. They can. So right. yeah, I, I think for for Brett Veach, it makes a lot of sense. And now you definitely are kicking Jones inside permanently where he belongs anyway. So you get better at edge, but you also get better, a lot better at D tackle. I also thought it was notable that Jones played his most snaps inside on Monday night. I thought even though he had two sacks against Cleveland and one against the Giants, I thought he had his best game. I also thought Jerron Reed was the first time I saw Jerron Reed. So <laughs> I, I think all that stuff matters. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I thought it was the trade was fine. There, there's no reason to you know go wringing hands about it. Do you expect him to you know just be a, uh, more of a rotational piece coming in and passing situations, maybe getting 20, 25 snaps a game, a little bit more than that? Uh, or do you do you expect them to plop him down there as soon as he's ready full time at the end position? 
I mean, look, nobody on their defense other than Matthew plays a hundred and and Sneed, you know, a few guys in the secondary, but nobody really plays a hundred percent of the snaps. Yeah. He will play predominantly though at that position. I, I do not think this is gonna be a thing where Alex Okafor is stealing a bunch of snaps. It better not be. Okay, it can't be. So I, I think you're going to have to look at this thing and say, look, he's gonna get 70% of the snaps. Dan will get 25%, something like that. Um I don't think you bury Dan. I don't think you do that. He's been good for them in, in certain spots, and he's a young player. You've got to let him play. Right. But Melvin Ingram is a better player than Mike Daniels. And, and look, no, I'm even particularly that, happy no. about this move. I think it's now righting a wrong. I've said this since the summer. I thought the one mistake Brett Veach made this offseason was not addressing the edge rush. They, they tried to address it with, with Chris Jones. It didn't work. Fine and fair enough. I didn't have a problem with the experiment. I think it might have gone on a little too long, but I didn't have an issue with trying it. They are now equipped, I believe, to get over the hump defensively. Um, but, look, you know, it, it, it's a six-round pick. Is it a gamble? Eh, not really. I, I think they're just going to recoup the pick. I think they're just going to trade back ten spots in the fourth round, and that, you know, that'll be it. We'll see. Very interesting times to be a Chiefs fan. Again, this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We're live on YouTube right now. Of course, you can listen to the audio version of this later. Um, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review over there. Leave us a written review and ask us questions. We'll read them on the show. We're going to get to that later on. So the folks uh, dresses around Halloween that have less, left us reviews, you're going to get featured on the show today. It's just pretty cool. And of course, if you're in the chat, we may be able to highlight you there as well if you're able to watch live. Appreciate all your support. What's up, Lucas? What's up, Evan? Uh, Gonzo, I think I said hi to you guys. I can't remember now. What's up, our guy Clint McKenzie's out there. Uh, appreciate everybody in the chat. Yeah, I, look, I I like the signing as well, or the, the the move to bring Ingram in on the sixth round thing. Like, yes, they did get Trey Smith with the sixth round. They got uh, Tyreek Hill, I think, with a lot of fifth. So you know, sometimes there can be value in those later rounds for the Chiefs uh, depth positions. You're not usually going to find guys like Tyreek Hill and Trey Smith late. There's usually some sort of off the field issue or medical issue or, you know, other things that have teams scared of, of investing too much early capital in, in a pick like that. But on the whole, if you go back and you look at Brett Veach's six round picks, it's not like you've got a ton of, of home runs there. Right. And so if Melvin Ingram comes in, it's a good, I think it's a good use of a pick like that because as, to your point, you can get it back. It's, it's very easy to trade a mid round or a late round pick later. If there's somebody you really love and you want to move back in with that kind of draft capital, Right. But this year, and, and I think it sends a message to Chiefs fans that just because things haven't gone as planned this season, the Chiefs are not throwing in the towel. They're still trying to win a Super Bowl. They're tr- still, they're not going crazy. They're not going to overreach on somebody and think one player is going to solve their issues. But I thought it was a smart move. Pittsburgh wanted to move on. He wanted to move on. If it helps the Chiefs pass rush, it, it can have a ripple effect. Matt Connor brought this up with uh, with when Josh Gordon came in, and it hasn't come to fruition yet. But the idea of, yeah, one player is not going to solve everything for you, but there can be a chain reaction that happens. If it makes Chris Jones be able to play inside a little bit more, if it takes some of the heat off Frank Clark, if it allows guys to go out and get rest because now you can rotate more guys in along the defensive line so you're fresher when you need to dig deep and you need to get pressure on the quarterback. All of those things matter. And, of course, you're bringing in a guy who is a great, great player in his day. He's a little long in the tooth right now. But I believe he had a 12%, a little over a 12% pressure rate with the Steelers when he did play. That would be number one on the Chiefs so far this season. So I think he can make everyone better. And pressure on the quarterback has been a big, big problem for the Chiefs this year. We saw in games in Tennessee, they couldn't get pressure on Tannehill, and he was able to stand in there. And when, when we talked about it, we thought the coverage was reasonably good in that game against Tennessee, but Tannehill was just able to drop dimes the whole game because nobody was pressuring him. He's able to make great throws to those big, lengthy receivers, and it hurt the Chiefs. So I like the move. I don't, I don't care about the sixth-round pick, and hopefully it can help this team turn things around. And right now they need every edge they can get. Yeah, oh, yeah no doubt. They they have not gotten a pass rush. And now last week they, they had three sacks. I mean, two of them came in the last drive of the game, but that, that was an important drive. It wasn't a drive that didn't matter or anything like that. I mean, that was a drive they had to nail the game now. And they got two big sacks. So, listen, I think there's definitely there's definitely a, a reason to look at the Ingram trade and really like it. Um, 
I, again, I don't want to sit here and, and go too far. I don't think all of a sudden, oh my God, well, they got him now. Now, now they're just going to be dominant. Up front. I, I think that's, I think that's a lot. But does he help him? I mean, he should help him. It should, it should help. Um, I, I don't. Again, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, you know, adding, I don't know, uh, you know, Derek Thomas in his prime or something. But I, I do think that it's, it's an opportunity for the Chiefs to get better, and. With that, you 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 take giving up a six round pick, so that that's yeah. where I stand on it. Um, they they need some jolt up front to get a better pass rush, and again, it also means, and I think this was happening anyway. It means Chris Jones is going to be on the inside, which they need him to be on the inside. So, yep. take that for what it's worth. But I, I think and I think it, it's a good I think it's a good move. And it causes problems, and it allows the Chiefs and Spagnolo to do things on defense when they run those twists and stunts and things like that. It's different when you've got Chris Jones in the middle because you might go out there from an offensive point of view and be like, all right, Jones is in the middle. We're going to double-team him. And then all of a sudden, Frank Clark runs around behind Chris Jones, and now you've got a problem in, in the middle of the line. And Frank looked as good, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. He looked as good as he has all season against the Giants. Yeah. So yeah. Ho- hopefully that is a sign of things to come. Okay, so let's get into this game uh, against the Packers. So the Chiefs were, uh, and Aaron Rodgers is not going to play. We're going to explain why in a second if you weren't in the loop on this. The Chiefs were, I think, uh, like one-point favorites or two-point favorites early on. They opened it like three. I think for there's a brief moment where they were underdogs by a point or something. Um, but now it's Chiefs minus seven and a half. So they're seven and a half point favorites because Rodgers isn't playing. The line has moved. The over-under is 48 and a half. So real quick before we get to, to Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff, going into the game, when the Chiefs opened as, as three-point favorites, what was your reaction to that? Because I saw you tweet about it, Bertram. Oh, I thought it was insane. They, I mean, they, they shouldn't have been three-point favorites ever. Uh, they opened the two-and-a-half. They opened the two-and-a-half-point favorites, and then everybody saw them in the Giants game, and the game went to a pick em. Um I mean, if you're a betting man, my God, two and a half, I would bet the house on that. The Chiefs, let's just be honest. The Chiefs have not beaten one team in the winning record yet this year. Three of their four wins have come against the NFC East. They've not played well. I mean, there's there's no way around that. Um, I was shocked. Now, I get it. I understand why the line was. It. People in Vegas, just like everybody else in the world that watches football, keeps thinking at some point, they're just going to start playing better, and Vegas doesn't want to get crushed and be on the other side of that. Because, look, if they make the Chiefs a three-point dog in the game, everybody and their mother is going to bet Kansas City. That's how this works. And if they and if that happens and then Mahomes snaps out of it and goes crazy and the Chiefs win the game, then Vegas takes a bath. So they're not going to do that. I, I get that. You respect the great quarterback. You respect the great team. The Chiefs have certainly been that, and Mahomes has been that. But in a vacuum, just looking at the game, I mean, we all talked about it. You were confident enough. You're great at chuck beers after the game. They they win. I I just looked at that game and said, I don't know how you could see it and go, yeah, they're going to win. Now, <laughs> I think it's important to note the second Aaron Rodgers was ruled out with COVID, the line went from a pick em to a seven and a half point spread. Yeah. Like that's how important quarterbacks are in the NFL. There is no other player that would have moved that line more than a point. Nobody. Not Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek, nobody. The quarterback, obviously, especially more now than ever in the NFL, is the most important player on the field. And when a guy of Aaron Rodgers' level goes out, you see the line jump more than a touchdown. I mean, that that's that's yeah. the reality. So um it's it's you know, of course, it's a massive, massive change in the complexion of the game. And you saw the Chiefs last year with with Matt Moore at quarterback. They went toe-to-toe with the with the Packers. They had a good game plan. They hung in there. Rodgers just made plays that quarterbacks like Rodgers make, and it ended up being the difference in that game. But the Chiefs nearly uh, got them in that game. So, you know, I think the Chiefs can match up pretty well with the Packers. Now let's talk about Aaron Rodgers and why he's out. Obviously, he, he tested positive for COVID. That if he had been vaccinated, he is not vaccinated. 
if he had been vaccinated, it wouldn't necessarily have ruled him out immediately for the game on on Sunday. So, look, we're not going to get into all the politics of this, whatever you think about vaccinations or or how fair the rules are in the NFL. The fact of the matter is, if you're not vaccinated in the NFL, you risk hurting your team in a way that you wouldn't if you were vaccinated, because if you're if you're vaccinated, the way that the rules are, are that if you get two successive negative tests, you can come back and play. Right. Right. If you are not vaccinated and you test positive for COVID, it's a mandatory, I believe, 10 days, you're out. You can't come back. So uh, that's bad news for, for any player that's not vaccinated against COVID because it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's no chance of them getting back on the field. Rogers testing early. Now, it would have been probably dicey for him to get two negative tests. Uh, but the problem is, you know, with those tests, like they're not 100% accurate. Sometimes they, there are false positives and those types of things, but it's, I, I don't think it matters because he's not vaccinated. He has no chance of getting back on the field. So that, that hurts the Packers, whatever you think about whether or not he should have been vaccinated or not. So he's gone. He's out of the picture. We've got Jordan Love, who a lot of people thought were, was maybe going to be the starter for the Packers this season until Rodgers decided to come back. We haven't really seen him since, since the preseason. Um, he, he got in, he has not started a regular season game. If you might remember in week one, the Packers got absolutely curb stomped by the New Orleans Saints. Jameis Winston threw like five touchdowns, uh, just a weird game. You know, those happen. And he got into that game a little bit, but it was, you know, it's garbage time. So you really can't take anything you saw there with a, a, a you know, any legitimacy. What do you expect Verderam out of out of Jordan Love in this game? No, like keep in mind, there's, there's still talented players on the on the Packers offense. I'm not sure the status of Devontae Adams right now, but but he's never started an NFL game before. I mean, I, I expect it to be pretty rough for him, to be totally honest. And not because of the Chiefs. I mean, really, look, there's a lot of things that go into this. So if you're the Packers, you have to play now, you have to play totally differently. You have, you have to play differently. You can't go into this game and play like it's Aaron Rodgers back there. You have to simplify your offense and dumb it down. And not because Jordan loves dumb or anything like that, just because he's never played as a starter before. He's played – he's thrown seven NFL passes. Um, like I said to you before the show, I tweeted last night that he's, he'd never taken any snaps, which actually was incorrect. He, he took seven snaps in a 38-3 blowout – or th- through seven passes in a 38-3 blowout. We actually turned the ball over during that stretch. He had a fumble that he lost. Um, so, uh, listen – I think it's going to be a game where if you're Green Bay, you're trying to run the hell out of the football. You're going to throw short. You're going to throw quick. You're going to get the ball out of his hands. Because I watched not not all the snaps, but quite a few in the preseason. And I think what you saw was a guy who has talent, who made some really nice throws, but also made a lot of a lot of poor mistakes, a lot of mental mistakes, a lot of balls where he forced the ball, he panicked under pressure. And the panic under pressure thing is where I think the Chiefs are going to go after him. I, I think the Chiefs go after him in this game. You double Adams. You try to force the ball to go anywhere else. Um, I, I think, again, this is going to be an Aaron Jones-type game. Get the ball out quick. And if you're the Packers, I think you're really hoping that the Chiefs make some mistakes in this game, a lot like the Cardinals did on Thursday night. You know, the Cardinals had three turnovers in that game. It cost them. They should have won that game. They lost to the Packers because they turned the ball over three times. The Packers didn't turn the ball over. They went out and they won. I think if you're if you're Kansas City, this game's more about you than it is about the Packers. It really is. Like, are you going to take 12 penalties? Are you going to turn the ball over a couple times? Because if you do that, you can absolutely lose and probably will lose. If the Chiefs don't make those mistakes, I think they're in pretty good shape. I, I, I think Love could be a very good NFL player, but you're asking him to come in here with no real experience and do a lot in a tough place to play, say what you want about Spags, he's going to dial up a lot of exotic looks. That's what he does. That's who he is. So I, I expect them to to bring some different looks, some different pressures, and, and try to force a turnover or two and really tilt the game in the, in the favor of the Chiefs. Cheeto Freak says, do engage eight every play. Confirmed. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. Yeah, look, I, I think if I'm Spags, I'm going into this game. I'm, and if I'm the Packers, I'm looking hard at that Giants tape. Because what worked for the Giants primarily was the screen game. The Chiefs weren't really ready for it. Uh, Devontae Booker was able to rack up a lot of passing yards. 
Uh, and that helps that helps Daniel Jones and it helps counteract like teams know that Spags likes to be aggressive. Right. And they expect it. And so, you know, they dialed up a bunch of screens and it snake bit the Chiefs and it extended some dri- drives for the Giants. Um, it, it, the Giants didn't really have a lot of, you know, threats as far as receiving goes in that game. Obviously, the Chiefs have to contend with Devontae Adams in this game. But I agree with you, Verderam. I'm double teaming Devontae Adams. You cannot because, look, it, as green as Jordan Love is, he can throw the football. He's an NFL quarterback, right? If you have Devontae Adams out there one-on-one and he chucks that ball up there, it doesn't need to be a good throw. It just needs to be in the vicinity, and Devontae Adams can go up and get it. So just don't let that happen. If somebody else beats you, fine. If if Valdez Scantling beats you, fine. Good for him, right? But do not let Devontae Adams beat you. And then in the screen game, that's what I'm most concerned. If they want to run it, I'm okay with giving up some yards on the ground. But don't get caught behind the line with a guy like Aaron Jones because that could be that could be what keeps those drives going. And so I would play it a little more safe on third down and hope that you can get pressure with four or five so that you can make sure that they don't get those that screen game going and and make him make a throw. Do you know what I mean? Like don't I I, I don't want to see him just be able to back up and dump it off. And, and the Chiefs are out of position and they get a 15-yard gain over and over again because we don't know how the Chiefs are going to play on offense. You know, if we did, I wouldn't be as concerned about it. But if it's if they're, if they're still going to be struggling on offense, you really need the defense to step up and shut them down. Are you worried about the screen game at all or, or am I just in a panic because of the Giants game? I mean, I worry about everything with the Chiefs. Have you seen the Chiefs this year? But um, I, I saw earlier um, – Somebody, somebody in the chat, uh, Ben Marlowe said, you are as pessimistic as it gets. Look, Ben, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here to, to give anything but my opinion. They've not played ball this year. I don't know how anyone could watch them and think that they, they, they have played ball this year. The Chiefs would tell you they've stumped this year. So, um, look, I, I mean, I worry about it in this sense. You know, the screen game, yeah. If if you if you've got Ben Neiman out there trying to cover it, it's a problem. Like, I, again, this game to me. With Rodgers being out, this is not about the Packers. It's about the Chiefs. The Chiefs should win this game. If the Chiefs are a good football team, they should win this game. I don't care that they've got Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Who cares? The Chiefs have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And they have Patrick Mahomes. And they have a great offensive line. And the Packers, by the way, are not just out without Rodgers. They don't have Zedarius Smith, who's their best pass rusher. They don't have Jair Alexander, who's their best corner, one of the best corners in football. Like, you got to win this game. You got to win this game. Like the Packers, I'm sure, are going to make a play here, a play there. That's fine. Jordan Love should not be going in there and just shredding the hell out of Kansas City in this game. Shouldn't be. I'm not saying he's not going to make some throws. He's, he's a first-round pick. He's got a lot of talent. But he has no chemistry with any of these guys. He's not going to be up there. Do you know how different – like here's an example, and I think we all overlook this sometimes, not just fans, media, everybody. you know how different it's going to be at the line of scrimmage for Jordan Love than it is for Aaron Rodgers? You know how hard it's going to be for him to check out of certain plays that Rodgers would immediately check out of? Everything changes. He's not going to have the liberty and the freedom of the line of scrimmage to make those kinds of decisions because he doesn't know what the hell he's looking at compared to what Aaron Rodgers is looking at. Rodgers has been in the league 15 years. You know, I mean, so it's just such a different ball game. And Kansas City should be able to do some things in this game to cause some confusion, to force some bad throws to force some miscommunication, maybe even get the Packers to blow some timeouts because they, they, they don't know what they're in. I mean, all those things, even something as simple as cadence, you might get a couple of false start penalties because you know the offensive line isn't used to Jordan Love's cadence and they're used to Aaron Rodgers. By the way, Aaron Rodgers, along with Mahomes, and, and Rodgers is really the godfather of this, great, great at being able to get guys to jump into the neutral zone. With a hard count. Well, I, I mean, I'm not saying Luff can't do that, but he's probably not going to do it like Rodgers does. So I think where we sit is I'm not saying Love's going to go out there and be 10 to 30 for 100 yards, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not that. And if the Chiefs turn him into that, well, then shame on them. They need to step up and take advantage of what is a massive, 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 massive gift from the football gods and handle this game. Yeah, the Chiefs do need to take advantage of it. And, you know, you can make the argument, ah, this, you know, it's it's not fair, right? The Chiefs, 
and then I don't have to go against Rodgers or if they win, it doesn't count. But look, this happens to every team in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so either they're going to have a guy out that they they didn't plan to have out, or they're going to get an advantage that they you know wouldn't have had because of injuries. It's the NFL that happens. But the Chiefs are really really healthy. They've been real. I'm knocking on wood here. They've been really fortunate with injuries this year. They've been generally pretty healthy. A few you know Tyron Matthews, a few on defense out, but no catastrophic injuries yet. This is an opportunity in a season where they've stumbled, right? Where, where you know, if you if you could have looked at this game as a potential loss on the schedule, and I think we all did as a potential loss, you know, and then you see them fumble away a game like they did against the Ravens. Well, sometimes these things come back around. So this is a chance for them to get back over 500, to continue to gain confidence. And I wanted to ask you, Verderman, thank you, everybody out there in the chat. We see our guy, one of our guys from Poland, Tomac. I hope you pronounced that correctly. Uh, he says, hi, guys. Jordan Love will impress on one of the biggest, uh, best stages in the NFL. Mark, my words, greetings from Poland. Um, I'm okay with him impressing a little bit as long as the Chiefs win. Um, and yeah, I, hope, I wonder if all of our, uh, our fans from Sweden and Poland and Germany are out there. If they are, please say hi in the chat. But I wanted to ask you, Verderam, um, you know, in this game, like, do you, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday night. And I said, you know, I, I, I do think that if the Chiefs were to win this game, I, I was not projecting them to win. But I thought if they were going to win this game, it could really be present a turning point for them. And, and the reason I said that was because had they gone against the Giants and won 40 to nothing, we'd all feel great. But I'm not sure the Chiefs in the back of their minds would feel as good because they would be like, well, yeah, but that was the Giants, right? Like, you know, we haven't beaten – they've gotten their butts kicked by all the good teams in the AFC. Uh, so are you a little let down in the sense that – maybe beating going out there and beating Aaron Rodgers and beating the Packers at home from a, from a confidence perspective and getting their swagger back was an opportunity for them that now they're not going to have, or are you like, nah, screw it. I don't care. Beat them, beat whoever's in front of you, win, win the next two games and then go out there and beat Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Look, this game has a chance. I've seen a few people say it could be a turning point and that's fair. I don't know that it's a turning point in the sense that, if you win this game, look, you didn't beat Aaron Rodgers, and so you didn't maybe have the test that you were going to have. However, look, who cares right now? They need to win a game. Um, I think if they win this game and then they beat the Raiders, that's a turning point because it's a divisional game. The Raiders are leading the division at the moment. Um, but I think winning this game, even with the you know the current injury situation or you know, COVID situation, whatever you want to call it, I do believe that I it, it changes the calculus of the season. If you get to five and four, look, we don't know what's going to happen this weekend. The Raiders are, are in New York. They're going cross country to play the Giants in an early game. The Raiders should win that game. But also because of everything going on with the tragedy involving Henry Ruggs, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes teams respond to that in ways where they come out and they play great. Other times they, they, they fall flat. It's a very hard thing emotionally. Obviously a lot more things in Vegas right now going on bigger than football. The Chargers, they haven't won a game in almost a month. They're going to Philly. Philadelphia, one thing about them, they're going to run the ball like crazy. Well, <laughs> the Chargers can't stop anybody on the ground. So I don't know. I, that's a game that Philadelphia could absolutely win. Um, you might have a situation, and I'm not saying I'm predicting this, but you could have a situation with the Chiefs win this weekend where they jump the Chargers and they're a half game back of the Raiders and they're going to play for first place in the West next Sunday night. Like, this is a massive golden opportunity for them. But I so look, I won't I won't go as far as saying I think it's a turning point. I think the Raiders game would be more of a turning point. But to get to that, you've got to win this game. You've got to win this game. And if you do, and then you beat the Raiders, then all of a sudden you start looking at it and going, all right, hell, we beat Dallas for the bye. Now, now you're in business. You know, now you're really starting to pick up some momentum because after the bye, the schedule's not that hard. Raiders at home, Denver twice, Pittsburgh at home. You know, they get the Bengals and the Chargers on the road, but both those games were winnable games. Like, I think all of a sudden you start to really kind of look at the Chiefs differently. But much like we talked about the Chiefs on Monday night, like, you got to win the game. You've got to win this game. And they don't have to blow the Packers out. I'm not sitting here saying they got to win by 14 points, but you, I really want to see the Chiefs play just a solid football game. Limit the penalties, no turnovers, Mahomes looks crisp. They do that. A, they do that, they'll win. B, I think they'll, you'll start feeling a lot better. Because right now, it's just, for me anyway, I can't speak for everybody in the chat, 
I just can't get past how sloppy it is. It just yeah. it looks bad. It just looks so disjointed. But and this is where I'll pivot here for a second. I think defensively they're starting to really get somewhere with this team. I really do. Um, seven of the last eight halves of football that they've played, they've played really, really well. The only one notwithstanding was the first half against Tennessee. And I think a lot of that was on the fact the offense couldn't do anything and they turned the ball over twice. I, I think defensively, you're starting to see, look, the secondary has been a lot better. They're not blowing coverages anymore. Um, the corners, they, they benched Mike Hughes. They've played better there. Fenton's come in. He's solidified. Ward's come back, gotten healthy. He's solidified. I saw somebody earlier ask, uh, I believe it was Colt, who asked about Hitchens. I, he's probably going to come back this week. I got to tell you, I would not change anything about the linebackers other than getting Neiman off the field. I would I would give Neiman snaps to Hitchens. I play Hitchens on the weak side. I'd leave Bolton in the middle, and I wouldn't touch Willie Gay. If they yank Gay or Bolton out of the starting lineup to put in Anthony Hitchens, there should be an investigation. You cannot take those two kids out of the game. They're too good. They're too talented. They've completely transformed the second level of their defense. Gay is an athletic freak. He can cover. He can play the pass. Bolton is not good in coverage, but he's a sledgehammer against the run. He's a good blitzer. You got to leave him in there. You got to leave him in there. And then, look, I, you know, we already talked about Ingram. But I think the defense is actually starting to really make a move here. So the good news is I think they've really found the answers there. They have to stop playing Neiman. And Sorensen, look, he can play a handful of times. You can't have him in man ever. Um but offensively right now, I got to see them play better cohesive football. If they do that, if they do that, I think they could really be on their way. So they're fixing some of their issues. But the biggest one right now has got to be, incredibly, the quarterback. He's got to play better. If he plays better, I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, Cheeto Freak says, I, I feel like on paper they're they're talented on defense. I think we all thought that coming into the season. Yeah. It just hasn't come to to, to fruition. And, and um, yeah, I, look, before we get too much more into the defense, I just want to touch on two more offensive things. Derek Gore, we haven't really talked about him, came out, looked incredible, only played about 15 snaps, I believe, in that game last week against the Giants, but sure did make an impact. It doesn't sound like I haven't heard anything that indicates Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, is going to be back, although I believe he is eligible to come off IR this week. Um, you know, look, super small sample size. And Darrell Williams, to his credit, has run just fine in, in relief of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So I don't want to overreact here, but would you like to see Verderam a little bit more of, of Derek? Or I really think maybe one of the only reasons we didn't see more of him was because of you know blocking and and knowing the the protections and those types of things. Since he's just coming up from the practice squad, they don't have as much. They mentioned it on the broadcast. They don't have quite as much confidence in him as a blocker as they do Daryl Williams. But would you like to see him get a little bit more run based off of what he did in the preseason and what he did when he got a chance up at the big stage? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I don't I don't understand anything about what happened with him in the second half of that game. And I tweet about this. He saw three carries in the second half of the game. Why? Why? I, I don't, I don't understand how you could watch him in the second quarter as, as great as he was in that quarter. And then be in a game. It's a tight game the whole way and give your, your, at that point in that game, your star back three snaps. Like, I understand he's Derek Gorlick. I don't want to make this out like they bench Daniel Tomlinson here, but my God, you're not going to get more than three carries in the second half of the game? He has a few things their other backs don't. First of all, he's the fastest back they have, period. I think anyone with eyes can see that. And secondly, I love the way he saw the hole and he was moving around with his feet. He was, you know, there were a couple yeah. of jump cuts in there that were pretty good, man. Like, they were yeah. really good. Good vision. Really good vision. Um, and you know what? Look, he's, he's not going to be Jamal Charles, so I don't want anybody to take this like a comparison. But there's – Jamal Charles, everybody always talked about his speed because he was incredibly fast. I always thought the most impressive thing about Jamal Charles was how he was able to find the hole and hit it quickly. I mean, how many times with Charles would he wiggle through and it was like, ah, it should be a one-yard gain. It was a gain of four. That stuff adds up over the course of time. And Gore, if you watch, 
there were a lot of times there where he just very, you know, he would go to run. There wouldn't be a hole. He'd see a hole in the next the next side of the line. Maybe you know, jump over a gap. Boom, hit it. Pick up four or five yards. And I agree with with Reed Smith Heron here, who says, "Look, they don't run because of Reed. Because Andy Reed, it, it, it's true. I mean, they there are times we just run it. Like that is yeah. one thing I do want to see more of going forward with them." I've understood in past years that line has been meant to pass block and not to run block. I I get it, okay? Um, But you have an offensive line that can really block. Like They're nasty. They're maulers. Run it. Run the ball. Look, again, and you mentioned it earlier, and I'll say it again. Like, I I, honestly, as much as I joke, I actually do enjoy some of the analytics stuff. But the the nerd idea that, like, you can't ever run the ball because it's – it's somehow a waste of a down. It's just bull. It's not true. Like, if you can run the ball for six yards, you should be doing it. And they have consistently shown against light boxes, they destroy teams when they run the football. You need to be able to run the ball. And you saw it against the Giants on that one touchdown drive. The Chiefs didn't even throw it. They, they ran like five times in a row. They just ran boom, the ball boom, boom, right boom. down the throw right yeah. into the end zone. Yeah. Look, I'm not yeah. saying that that's going to be the norm. You just run it you know, ten times in a row. Yes, and reaches you. Have, you literally do have the best interior three in football. They're dominant. I mean, Trey right. Smith is one of the best rookies I've ever seen on the Chiefs, and Creed Humphrey is right there with him. Those two guys, I tweeted this the other day, and I don't say this lightly. I really mean this. They could be all pros this year, not Pro Bowlers. Like they could be all pros. They've been that good. Run the ball behind the two of them and Joe Tooney. I don't understand why the Chiefs have this aversion to doing it. And I get, and if I'm going to run the ball, yes, I absolutely want Gore in there. And I see averaging four and a half yards a carry. Yeah. And honestly, Tom, they were running even better that early in the game. They really were. They had a few runs that got stuffed, which is always going to happen, but they were running the ball really effectively in that game. Like against the Packers, look, the Packers don't have a great corner that you're facing. Eric Stokes has done a nice job as, as a rookie. I'll give you one thing, though, to watch in this game. So everybody talks about Sorensen and Neiman, how bad they've been, and rightfully so. We've talked about that in nausea. Kevin King is one corner in this game. The Chiefs are going to go after him. He has not been good. The, the Packers, a, a lot of their fans are as down on him as, as Chief fans are about the two guys I just mentioned. Watch the Chiefs throw constantly. At, at at Kevin King, if they have the opportunity, I would expect the Chiefs to try to get matchups there. And, if, and and with Andy, one thing about him, they they will create one-on-one matchups. That's what they do. So I would expect to see some of that. Yeah, I love it. And you know, I do think too with the Derek Gore thing and, and Andy and great points. Uh, Bob in the chat they said, you know, Andy only runs on first down. I do think that there's a thing with Andy where if they run it on first down and they get like a one-yard gain or a two-yard gain. That's you know they're passing on second down, and I think that they've got to get out of that a little bit and be like, look, you're not gonna, it's not gonna work every time, and if it if it doesn't work, it's okay to run it again on second down. You still you got Mahomes, you know you can pick up third and longs. They've they've done it his entire career. So and you're likely to see if you're in a second and seven, they're probably not going to be stacking the box on you on second and seven if they're if you're they're getting all these light boxes. So go to give it another try. Give it another run. Let that offensive line get downhill, cut it out with the RPOs, and just let those guys go out there and maul people, which is what they're good at, especially Orlando Brown. I mean, why wouldn't you? If I was the Chiefs, I would be pulling Trey Smith and running behind Orlando Brown, Smith, and Joe Tooney all day long on the left side, all day long behind those three because they're all excellent. Brown especially is a run blocker coming out of Baltimore. That's the offense he played in. I would even I would even splash in a little bit of uh, a little bit of option with them. Um, you know, I don't want I don't want to see Mahomes running it, but just just show that look a little bit. Um, I I really think it could help. All right, listen, I want one one quick thing on the offense before we move on to the defense. Josh Gordon is this is is this? Let's try to do this one in under a minute. But is he a lost cause? Is he ever going to catch a ball? He did play like 30 snaps last week, which was the most by far. It didn't matter. No, I, I mean, look, man, I can't say it's a lost cause, but they got to they got to do something with him. I mean, come on, like 
you sign the guy, and I get it. Look, he didn't play football for a while. You're getting him back in football shape. That's all fine. I, I have no issue with that. But, Mike, I stop with Demarcus Robinson already. It's it's just enough. I just stop. Put Josh Gordon out there. And if Josh Gordon is that shot, then cut him. Like, if Josh Gordon can't get snaps over Demarcus Robinson, just move on. Because this year, I mean, he has done less than nothing. And by he, I mean Robinson. And so, if, and I'm not trying to just pile on the guy, but let's just call it what it is. I mean, he he has done zero, zero for this team. So I'm not giving up on Gordon, but if if we go a few more weeks and he's still just never seeing any real opportunity, then I think you have to just go, yes, there's another Le'Veon Belton, which I just, I don't understand. The Belton I understood. This, 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 I, I just, I don't understand why. He's not seeing more time, why they're not drawing up more plays for him. I mean, the guy's a huge, big-bodied receiver. And I'm sitting here looking at the numbers. Josh Gordon has three targets, one catch, and 11 yards in four games. Three targets. Right. And, it, by the way, just to display my point, Demarcus Robinson, 12 catches for 151 yards all year long in eight games. Like, what What do we do? Like, just look. Pringle, at this point, really, is their number three receiver. He's got 18 catches, 255, which is also, you know, wrote, although Pringle, was crazy. he's on pace for 500 yards, which, yeah. I mean, I think if you get 500 yards out of Byron Pringle. I think one thing that would surprise people, do you know that, DeMar- that McCole Hardman's on pace for over 700 yards? Yeah. He's He's Everybody been effective. Like he- I understand it, but, like, he's on pace for over 700 yards receiving this year. Yeah, they're doing a good job of using him, using him in the running game a little bit. I wouldn't mind seeing them hand off to Hill a little bit. But, like, yeah, just come out this week and throw a, throw a screen to Gordon. Like, throw a bubble screen to him right up right, first play of the game. Just get the hand off to him. He's fast. Like, he's big. Just get the ball in his hands and kind of get him going and build some confidence. I think that that might help as well. All right, let's talk about the defense really quickly. So, you know, they're, they're, they've been playing better a little bit. Um can they keep it rolling against the Packers? What do you expect to see out of Frank Clark and Chris Jones in this game? Well, it's going to be interesting because David Bakhtiari might be back for the Packers. They're all pro left tackle who tore his ACL in practice, unfortunately, at the very end of the last year. I think this is a, this is a test for the defensive line. This is a good group now. It's a, it's a group that's been banged up all year long, but the Packers do have some talent up front. Um, but Jones should be able to get some push on the interior. and. They're going to need him to. You know, this is, again, I, I kind of think this is a game where the Chiefs are going to bring some pressure. They're going to try to heat love up and say, look, if he makes one or two bad throws in the coverage, we're good to go, right? So, Frank Clark, this is this is a, an interesting game for him. Look, if he's coming off of the left tackle side, you get, you're getting him against David Bakhtiari, again, provided Bakhtiari plays. That's a really tough test. I think Bakhtiari, when healthy, is the best left tackle in football. But there's ways to get pressure. I mean, you can stunt them in a loop and everything else. I thought both guys played their best game against the Giants. You got to build off of it. And again, I want to see them blitz in this game. You should be able to blitz and still cover in this game. Like double Adams, you should be able to single cover across the board otherwise. You know, they don't have Robert Tunyon. There's a good tight end who was lost last week to a knee injury. Yeah. Look around. Who? I mean – Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like, come on. I mean, these are guys that you have to be able to cover one-on-one. I'm not saying they can never make a play, but you got to be able to cover these guys one-on-one. Everybody other than Devontae Adams should be a one-on-one cover, and I see you reaching Aaron Jones out of the backfield concerns me. That ought to be a Willie Gay special. Like, yep. Willie Gay should be on him. Not Ben Neiman, not Dan Sorensen, not Nick Bolton. It should be Willie Gay. Willie Gay, not Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen, right? <laughs> I don't care if you put both of them on. And 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 look, everybody who watches and listens to this podcast already knows I will go out of my mind if that's how they guard Aaron Jones. I, I mean, I I really will. I'll, I'll need to be I'll need to be sedated. Um, but you need to play that way, and so. I, but I think I think the Chiefs' defense will play well in this game without Rodgers. I really do. I just think, I think it just drastically changes everything about the Packers' offense. Not so much how they want to play in terms of, like, the way they'll they'll try to attack you, because I still think it's going to be an offense where they're going to run the ball to Aaron Jones. They're going to try to play action and throw some balls short and let guys run after the catch. But they can't all the ball anywhere near as much if at all at the line of scrimmage. 
Yeah. It's going to be a much more conservative game plan in terms of I think they're going to run the ball even more than they normally would. I think it's it's a game where you're going to get more opportunities to cause a turnover in this game, whether it's because Love holds onto the ball, whether it's because he he gets under a little bit of pressure and throws on for grabs. I mean, young guys are, are want to do that. So I think that's what you'll see. I do. And I think Jones and Clark have to be a big part of that. And and don't sleep on the fact that the Chiefs have gotten Ward back. And 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 that really helps them in the back end, and it should help their pass yeah, rush. Because it takes you a little bit more. Right. So that's something that the Chiefs have going in their favor. I saw a couple of comments in the chat, like Demarcus Robinson should be a trade bait right now. Uh, uh, you know, should we trade for OBJ? A couple of things. Yeah, trade deadline was yesterday. That's over. No, no more trades. Um, as far as Demarcus Robinson, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. Keep in mind, he was he was a free agent. Nobody picked him up, so he came back to the Chiefs. So I doubt anybody's going to give up any assets for him. He hasn't done anything. Or they can't, but they probably wouldn't trade for him anyway. Um, and, and OBJ, I don't know what the Browns are going to do with him. Maybe they cut him and he's subject to waivers. There's the finances, all that stuff to deal with. Um, he hasn't done anything in years and he's hurt. So, um, you know, if he was cheap, would you take, would I take a flyer on him? Sure. Why not? He's the talent, you know, is there, but you know, they got Josh Gordon. They, let's just try to get him going. I think that's probably a better option. I, I don't want the chiefs going after it all back. Right. First of all, first of all, they're not claiming him on waivers because that would mean they take his contract. His contract's huge. Right. I don't think anybody's they claiming can't him on waivers for the record. Right. I don't think anybody will. I, I don't listen. I'm not one of these people that subscribes to the idea that Odell Beckham is some horrible guy and shouldn't be in the law. I, I don't I don't believe that. And I get it, right? Like if you could sign him for cheap, he would be an amazing addition. And talent wise, yeah, of course he would be. But they they have had so much trouble trying to get just on the same page this year. And if you bring him in, uh, bringing Josh Gordon in is different. Like Gordon's coming in, he the expectation level is a lot different. If you're bringing Beckham in, all of a sudden, you've got to feed him the ball. You've got to make sure you're getting him his touches. That that changes the whole way that they can play. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I, the Chiefs need to just focus on may, being the best version of themselves right now. They, yeah. To, to add Beckham into this thing, and by the way, they're not going to get Beckham anyway because even if he clears waivers, the t- some team's going to pay him way more than the Chiefs will. Okay, and Beckham knows if he goes to the Chiefs, he's going to be what the third option on the team. You know, so I, I really, really, really believe that would be a mistake for the Chiefs. You know, yeah, there's no Deshaun reason for Jackson, the Browns to cut him. Deshaun Jackson's yeah. different because you can bring him in. He already knows Reed's offense. You can you can go. You know he's in a, he's just a deep threat, right? Like that's why he's there. He's a deep ball threat. But Beckham, the gravity of Odell Beckham, and this isn't a knock on him. It's just it's the truth. Like he he demands the ball, and I don't mean like actually like vocally demands the ball, but like he's he's a great enough player. He demands the ball. You're gonna have to call plays for him and take off Tyree Kill's plate, take off Travis Kelsey's plate. That's that's a problem right now. I, I don't think they need at the moment. They don't need they don't need to to go down that road. Even though yeah, the, the, cir- the circus comes to town it, with him, and it's not his it's, fault. The media, it's just yeah, right, right now, right. Yeah. We we've talked, and I've talked specifically for weeks now, maybe a month now, about focus and accountability and like just settling this thing down and figuring it out. Bringing in Odell Beckham, while he is a very talented player to me, is everything that's not what I just talked about. The last thing in yep. the world this team needs is – I mean, look, let's be real. What's going on in Cleveland right now? Right. What's going on in Cleveland? His father's tweeting out – or I don't know if it's tweeting. I think it was Instagram actually. Putting out a Instagram, video man. complaining about Baker Mayfield and the players now. I mean, you got you got the players talking this morning about – well, we wish he was still here, but he's not here, and I'm sure that's causing a – none of that needs to happen. Like the Chiefs, the Chiefs have playmakers on this team. They need to stop turning the ball over. That's their I, – I, I will promise you, if they stop turning the ball over, you will see how rapidly this thing changes with this team because the defense is getting there. They're getting better. The offensive line's great. They don't have a problem with that. If Mahomes can stop turning the football over and they can stop fumbling the ball, 
you're all, I guarantee you all of a sudden you're going to go, wow, Chiefs really look great today. Yeah, because they had two extra possessions and the other team didn't. Right. Like, right. yeah, you're right. I mean, those Giants turnovers, both times the Chiefs are going to score points. Both times. You got you to change with that aspect. I think if they do, they'll be fine. I, Beckham's great. They don't need him right now. Yeah. Chiefs are sixth in average yards per rush, fifth in passing yards per game, third in passing yards, and fourth in passing touchdowns. So that's pretty good. Um, they'll be fine. They just got to stop giving it to the other team. All right, we're going to get uh, to our predictions for Sunday's game in just a minute. But first, as promised, we've got our listener reviews. So let's head into that. Appreciate you all out there in audio land on Apple Podcasts, leaving us these reviews. These five-star reviews help more people find this show. And if you all out there, uh, almost 100 of you now in the chat, if you can hit that thumbs up button for us, that really helps us as well. Uh, and subscribe. Subscribe to us on YouTube so you know when we go live. Okay. First listener review. Uh, this comes from Ian1979. Love the podcast. Uh, lots of great info and honest opinions. Great listen. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Hat tip. We appreciate your support. Next up is uh, from our guy, Johnny Robinson. Uh, or fan since Johnny Robinson. It's not actually Johnny Robinson. That'd be impressive. Uh, Casey Chiefs, number one fan on October 30th says, Thanks for the knowledgeable insight critique without just blasting and bashing. Thanks for calling out armchair coaches and GMs who want to solve things by firing Reed or Beach or benching Mahomes. I'll listen more often and try to catch you live. Uh, hashtag peanut buster parfait. I do love a peanut buster parfait, but every time I go to the Dairy Queen, I don't order it because I can't stop myself from getting a blizzard. I just can't. It's like, you know, I'm Put like, well, uh, what? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, just get them both. Yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this one uh, comes from Spanky the Great. Hilarious name. Uh, me too, Verderam. Uh, I love hearing Verderam lose it when the Chiefs play like crap. You're not the only one. Um, I'm glad that it's not just me because misery loves company. You guys are informative, knowledgeable, and obvious fans. I appreciate the perspective from people that aren't flippy floppy like the national sports media. Thank you for your efforts. And how about those Chiefs? Uh, great one, Spanky. And we all love a good Verderam meltdown. Yo, you, oh, this, they, they provided this year. They yeah. really have. They've been <laughs> they they have have I haven't had many to, to go crazy about over the last yeah. two years. By the way, I see in the chat, uh, Colton, Jason. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, guys. Yeah. And uh, – Next up from, uh, and last one from, from Mac Bartle. Uh, excellent. This is the first Chiefs podcast I've listened to that isn't overly optimistic. Every other one is seemingly afraid to crush the team. Love that this one is honest. Uh, appreciate that, Mac. Yeah, look, that's what we try to do here, right? We try to give you our honest opinions about the team. We try to shoot straight. Uh, we're not beholden to the Chiefs. We're not worried about credentials or anything like that. We're just here to provide Chiefs coverage from a fan point of view for you, some good, smart analysis. And if they don't do well, we're gonna we're gonna crush them for it, and if they play well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna give them the props that they deserve. But we're gonna try to to keep ourselves away from the ledge. And speaking of the ledge, yep, we've got our score predictions here. Now, listen, if you weren't if you if you didn't watch live on Sunday night, it was a lot more animated than it has been today. We were very upset after that, even after a win against the Giants. And Sterling Holmes got mad at me because I said the way the Chiefs are playing right now, I'm I'm not really picking them to beat anybody. For, for, for most of the rest of the season. If they keep playing like this, they're just going to keep losing. They just almost lost to Daniel Jones and the two-win Giants. And Sterling was very confident that the Chiefs were going to beat the Packers, even with Aaron Rodgers. He challenged me to a bet. He said, let's shotgun beers. I said, I'm not good at, at, at chugging beers, but what I'll do is if the, if the, Chiefs, if the Chiefs beat the Packers, because I, I didn't think they would with Rodgers, I would stone cold a couple of beers. So basically just dump beers down the front of my face. Um, on the podcast and the post game show. Now I, I tweeted that I, you know, I just wanted everyone's opinion. I'm not trying to weasel out of the bet, but does does Aaron Rodgers being out break the bet? Loud and clear, heard it from the Chiefs Kingdom. Nope, that's a bet. Uh, that's fair. I will uh, I will stick to the terms of the bet. Sterling's not going to be with us, so uh, his shotgunning will have to happen on his next appearance because he's actually going to the game. But you got to tune in on Sunday night because. If the Chiefs win, and I hope they do, I like. I hope I'm sitting here uh, dumping beer on my heads, and it's going to be memeable and all that. Uh, but that's what I'm going to have to do. I, I need to get a tarp or something, Verderam, in my office in here because uh, I know it's going to go in my mouth, but it's going to pour right out. Um, it's bad news for me. It sounds like now that now that Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. 
That's your problem. So what's the score for you? <laughs> um, I'm going to go against my what I said last week, um, that, that, that I thought that the Chiefs were going to get boat raced. Uh, I do think that they're going to win this one because of Jordan Love and the defense playing better. Um, I'm not terribly confident in this because the Chiefs haven't given me any reason to be, but I just think they've got too much talent. They're at home. They Maybe I'm a chump, but they should be able to win this game. So I'm going to go Chiefs 27, Packers 18 in this one. Um, well, you know, I hope it's not that close, but that's that's what I'm thinking it's going to happen. You, you and I are about as close as it gets. I saw Casey Graham also threw it out there. I think it will be 27-17. Um, 27-17. I think, that's, I think that's about what it is. I think the Chiefs defense will play well in the game. I really do. Um, I, I think they're on the come up. I think they've done a nice job, even really regardless of how much Ingram plays. I think Kansas City will play well in this game defensively. Offensively, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm almost nervous about predicting 27 points with them right now, the way they've been. But I continue to believe at some point they are just too damn talented. At some point, they're just going to start rolling. And 27 is not a crazy total for the Chiefs, let's be real. I mean, that, that's a total that normally with them, it's, like a, it's a bad week. Um, by the way, I want to throw out there real quick. I see uh, Camaro heading there. It's just Nick Bolton's a stud. Now, Nick Bolton is the new defensive rookie of the month. He was named that by the NFL this morning. That's right, yeah. 44 tackles and seven tackles from loss this month. I mean, that is – that's playing. That, that'll that work. So, and by the way, you know, I know Veach has taken a lot of crap over this year. Not a bad draft class. Uh, with without a first round pick, but they got Orlando Brown for. Who I actually, I, I I do not understand the criticism of. I think he's played very well. You get in the second round, in the late second round, Bolton, Humphrey, and then Trey Smith in the sixth. Not bad. Um, yeah. So I think they win. I think it's one of those games that is frustrating at times because every game with the Chiefs has been has been frustrating at some point this year. Let's be honest. I I gotta say though. I really, really, really want to see, and, I, and Adrian, I see your question. Should Hitchens start over Bolton? No, he should. Um, he should. He should play. He should take Neiman snaps. He should not start over Nick Bolton. Um, I really want to see the Chiefs play a clean game. No turnovers for the first time since Week One. No turnovers. Okay. I want yeah. to see Mahomes in rhythm, crisp. Get the ball out. Hit your receiver in. You know, in 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 good rhythm. Let. Let Hill or Hardman or Pringle or Kelsey or one of the backs make a move. Give them some room to operate. I want to see the Chiefs come out and just play a good, solid football game. No blown coverages, which they've been better at. Get a good, decent pass rush. Execute the defense the way it should be, which, again, I think on that side of the ball, we've seen strides on offensively. No fumbles, no picks, no killer penalties. If they do that, they are going to win. But it, I, my biggest concern in this game is they give the Packers three short fields because they just can't stop turning the football over. They stop yeah. turning it over, they'll win. And honestly, guys, if they stop turning the football over, I, I think they're going to win a lot. they got to stop, and they haven't stopped since week one. So we'll see. But for me, 27-17. Yeah, yeah, I, I really hope you're right. And I think it's good. The mental thing, they've just got to get past it. And I think not turning the ball over early, you know, if they if that if that didn't happen, that 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 def- bounce ball bouncing off McKinnon's helmet in, in the Giants game, I think maybe that game goes differently. But I it 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 has to be. I mean, it's happening to me sitting on the couch. It has to be in their heads when that happens, especially early in the game. They're like, oh god, it's here we go again, here we go again, and then everybody starts pressing. They need to come out and have a drive, score a touchdown, have a good quarter, have a good half, and maybe things will start to settle down a bit in some of their luck. And they have had bad luck. Almost maybe half of Mahomes' interceptions this year have been bad luck. Drop balls, deflections, and things like that. Um, I think we're all feeling a little bit differently about things if they can cut that out. Listen, everybody, I'm going to throw out a challenge to you. I don't know how many of you are going to take me up on this. If the Chiefs do win this game, and I'm pouring beer all over myself over here on Sunday night, I want you to do it too. I want I want some people to take the challenge with me. Uh, we're going to stone cold some beers if the Chiefs beat the Packers. You can film yourself and then you can send it. We'll, maybe we'll put it out on the Arrowhead Attic Twitter 
Uh, we might even be able to find a way to show it on the podcast. I don't know. We'll have to talk to the, to the to our producers about that. But I'm throwing out a challenge. If I'm going to do it, damn it, I want some of you to join me in Stone Cold, pound a couple of uh, Steve Weisers, dump them down your gullet, and uh, celebrate a Chiefs victory. And being over 500 for the first time since week one, wouldn't that be something? All right, everybody. Thank you so much for watching on YouTube. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we will be back on Sunday night, for better, for worse, with some Chiefs takes after the Packers game. Um, and, of course, remember, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star review if you haven't. And if you've got a question for us, leave it, and uh, we will uh, we'll answer it on the show here. That's pretty cool. You get to be uh, a participant in the podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for your support. For Matt Verderan, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you on Sunday night. Until then, be good and go cheese. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.